This is one of our sacred teachings. Please hear this from Hebrews. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Hold marriage in high esteem, all of you, and keep the marriage bed pure because God cares about sexual sin. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that confess the name of Christ. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for these are the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. This is one of our sacred teachings. Dearly beloved, we have come to encounter the scriptures and see what they teach us. The same task we engage every week. There's an old saying, a preacher should hold in one hand a Bible and in the other a newspaper, allowing that they both might have something to teach. Well, beloved, the heartbeat of scripture is pulsing a rhythm that bids us examine the culture we live in in light of the truth that is calling us closer to the heart of the one who is love. Well, the heart of that lover is patient and kind. Love chooses again and again to remind us we must love our neighbor, for you are your neighbor, and your neighbor, beloved, is you. It was June 2018. I heard on the news of families torn apart, a nursing infant ripped from her mother's arms. And I had known there was trouble, I had known there was pain, but this was more than I had let myself believe. I was away at a conference. I had left my child at home. I had walked away from him all on my own. And I knew when I wanted to see him again, I would drive back home and nurse him to sleep. When would she see her child again? Did she or did anyone know? It was more than I could bear. The question tore me to shreds. What was my role in her sorrow? My government did that to her on my behalf. From this truth, I could not shake loose. I didn't know what form my resistance would take, but I knew it was long overdue. And I wasn't alone that summer, awakening. All across the nation, new voices raised, new names on petitions, new bodies protesting in the street. 
Meanwhile, a rumbling emerged from those long engaged in this work year after year, disturbed in their bones that this is what it took to wake us up. But never mind how we got here. Now we are here, and we have some soul-searching to do. For we cannot look away and continue to claim that we follow in the way of this book. Waking up is hard. We thought we had a grasp on the world we were in, the kind of world where this kind of a thing was a sin, not a policy, not an order, not decreed from on high, quoting scripture to back themselves up. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Romans 13, from the mouth of the White House. Those words of encouragement for an ancient people afraid of their government, carefully crafted by a Roman prisoner in chains, carry less weight. No, not just less weight, it's downright manipulation when the one who speaks them on national TV holds thousands of lives of children, immigrants, husbands, and wives in his hands, like God, but more afraid. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I grew up with it. I know how it goes. But I also grew up with the story of Peter and John standing boldly, telling what had to be told, answering for their impertinence, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight for us to obey God rather than you. That's in the Bible, too. Perhaps, then, scripture isn't as clear as they told us. Perhaps there's more uncovering we need to do. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For some have brought angels into their midst and would never have known. Hebrews 13, that's today. Just the opening of our short passage, almost a given. He makes no to-do about this command. But the author of Hebrews recalls, within his faith, there's an ancient tradition of hospitality, welcome for foreigners, sparing no cost. The story he points us to, Abram and Sarah, welcoming strangers and giving them rest, way back in Genesis, tents in the desert, no nation to speak of. Just two people following God, here at the start, at the story's beginning, offering welcome, setting the tone for what God expects. When Abraham welcomes those strangers, do you recall how that story goes? The strangers move on, headed to Sodom, for its time has come. But the sin of the Sodomites wasn't anything like what we've always been told. It was abuse, uninhibited pride. It was pure selfishness. The problem with Sodom was that they were more concerned with power and domination than with humble welcome and embrace of the one whom God loves, which is us all. 
So you see, with just one line, our author of Hebrews invokes a tradition of choosing openness, welcome, and love. This is what God expects. The tradition continues. Moses delivers to the people the words to live by, words on a tablet, words that would guide their every step. And in helping them understand what these words meant for daily living, almost like clockwork, the foreigner comes up again and again. Exodus 22. You shall not wrong an immigrant, nor place him under the weight of oppression, for you too have known what it is to live far from home. Exodus 23. You shall not oppress the stranger. You know the heart of the stranger. Have you forgotten Egypt? You once were a stranger yourself. Leviticus 19. When an alien comes to your land, you shall do her no wrong. You shall treat her as one of your own. Love her as yourself. Leviticus 23. When the harvest has come, you must not reap to the edges of all of your fields or gather the gleanings. Instead, leave them all for the immigrant poor. Deuteronomy chapter 10. The Lord is a mighty God who executes justice for orphans and widows, who loves the immigrant and provides them with what they need. So you also must love the stranger, for you were a stranger in Egypt. You shall be known by this God and love the things your God loves. Centuries passed. The people forgot that they had once been strangers in Egypt. They took for themselves foreigners, immigrants, and made them their slaves. Then their prophets spoke out against them, raising their voices to call for repentance, to try to remind them how to love. Zechariah chapter 7. Here is what God has said. Exchange your false justice for truth showing compassionate mercy to all, and do not oppress the foreigner, fatherless, widow, or poor. Malachi, chapter 3. Here is what God has said. My judgment is coming, and swiftly, against those who oppress hired workers, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not love me. And what of the story of Jesus? Matthew chapter 2. The angel appears to Joseph, urging him up. Get the child and his mother. It's time you must go. You are not safe where you are. You must flee to another country. There you must make a life even though it is not your home. Perhaps it's no wonder then in his teaching, that Jesus described at the end of the ages a reckoning based on the matter of how one had welcomed him in. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me, Jesus imagines the king will say. And the righteous, confused, will ask, when did this come to be? And then, Jesus says with a knowing look, 
the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did to the least of these, you have done it to me. So perhaps then scripture is exactly as clear as they told us. It just doesn't say what they want us to think that it says. For in fact, the heartbeat of scripture is pulsing a rhythm that bids us examine the culture we live in in light of the truth that, that is calling us closer to the heart of the one who is love. And the heart of that lover is patient and kind, but that patience and kindness will not be defined by tolerance of contempt for the stranger among you, for you once were a stranger yourself. Love chooses again and again to remind us we must love our neighbor, for you are your neighbor, and your neighbor, beloved, is you. Did you know we live in a nation in which seeking asylum is perfectly legal? Step over the line and you have the right to request to stay. Just wait for your turn, present yourself, and a border official will offer help, and everything will come out right. Except they won't let you cross that borderline that you have to cross to qualify, to apply for asylum, to ask for safe haven from the horrors you've left behind. They won't let you cross because someone convinced us we're facing a state of emergency. But the only emergency is the way that we're treating God's children who've crawled to our door. We've criminalized the act of arriving so that stories like the one that I told before are even possible, and more than possible, frequent, as now we've announced we're throwing out Flores, the case that kept kids out of jail. That's after asserting that those who have traveled through any third country cannot apply for asylum. Think about that. Mexico is a third country. So unless you can fly in, you're out. Or if you're in, you're in detention. A nice word for prison. Did you know as of this year, in our state, here in Louisiana, at 6,500 souls, we now house the most ICE detainees of any state other than Texas. Did you know that here in our state, here in Louisiana, in the last two years, we have virtually stopped granting parole to immigrants? Folks who are just waiting for their case to be heard and want to wait with a shred of their dignity. Our parole rate is abysmal. It's the lowest in the nation, and it's keeping these people in prison. Many of those in detention were seeking asylum, followed every rule. What more can we ask of them? Not to be brown. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for some have brought angels into their midst and would never have known. 
the writer of Hebrews continues with this. Remember the ones who were in prison as though you were in prison yourself. Remember the ones who were in prison as though you were in prison yourself. I'm not here to tell you how you should vote. I am here to tell you your government represents you. Your government represents you. And as followers of Christ, we face a decision of how we will look women, men, children in the eyes and tell them our nation, the wealthiest nation in the world, cannot accommodate all of their pain, all of their need, all that they bring, all of their gifts, all their humanity, because they are beloved children of God. Our world is on the brink of a global migration that will only increase as the temperatures climb. This is not a problem that will go away over time. Northminster. The heartbeat of scripture is pulsing a rhythm that bids us examine the culture we live in in light of the truth that is calling us closer to the heart of the one who is love. And the heart of that lover is patient and kind, but that patience and kindness will not be defined by tolerance of contempt for the stranger among you. For you once were a stranger yourself. May this rhythm sink deep down into our bones. Hear the song that our scriptures are singing. You once were a stranger, for you are your neighbor. And your neighbor, beloved, is you. Amen.